This is the Legal Hands to the Face podcast with Bill Calarulo. What's up, everybody? What's up? Welcome back to another Legal Hands to the Face podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Calarulo. The Philadelphia Eagles offseason continues. They just had their first rookie minicamp. It was the first opportunity for us to see these draft picks wearing that midnight green with those Eagles wings on their helmets. And this is going to be an exciting offseason. This roster is absolutely stacked. The Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year, and you look at that roster, and they may be better this season. They did lose some key players, but they did a great job of replenishing that roster. We got a long way to go until training camp. I can't get enough Eagles talk. I'm sure you guys can't either. So to pass the time every single week, we're going to take a look at various players on that roster and what expectations we have for them for the 2023 season. But before we get into it, just a reminder, if you're not already following us on social media, check us out. We're on all your favorite social media channels, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Give us a like. Give us a follow. If you're feeling up to it, give us a share. The more Eagles fans we can reach, the better. But before we get into the roster breakdown and look at some players, I want to talk about a rule that the NFL has to change immediately. And that's when the interviewing process can begin for head coaching vacancies. It is a problem every single season, and now it's rearing its ugly head again, and the Eagles were right at the forefront of this. If you're not paying attention, let me tell you what happened. Jonathan Gannon, in the days leading up to the Super Bowl, had spoken to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, we do not know the full extent. Gannon's come out and said it was only a phone call. We're never going to know the truth. But because of it, it violated the NFL's tampering rules. You're not supposed to be able to talk to coordinators or coaches on a Super Bowl team after the championship game and before the Super Bowl. Well, the Arizona Cardinals did. Because of it, the Eagles and the Cardinals entered into a settlement where they kind of exchanged third-round draft picks. The Eagles were able to move up to the 66th pick. It's actually who they drafted Sidney Brown with, that draft pick. But there was something fishy here, and I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I'm not making excuses that that's why the Eagles lost or anything like that. But if you look at it, why did the NFL decide to release this news right in the middle of the draft. It's almost as if they wanted to kind of brush it under the rug. Right before the NFL draft, they released this news. It doesn't really hit the waves as much as it should have. And listen, Jonathan Gannon, was he still preparing for the Super Bowl? I'm sure he was. I'm sure he wanted to win the Super Bowl just as badly as anybody else. But when you're talking about one of the biggest interviews of his life, if not the biggest interview of his life, you can't help but be distracted going into the Super Bowl knowing you have an interview right after the Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals for a job where there's only 32 of them. There are only 32 NFL jobs in the world. It is one of the most coveted jobs that you could ever ask for as an NFL coach, as any coach at any level. To be an NFL head coach and the fact that the NFL allows this to go on is mind-boggling to me. Why can't they all just wait until after the Super Bowl? You know, every single year, Black Monday comes right after. Now it's week 18, used to be after week 17. But Black Monday comes and all these coaches get fired. And now these teams immediately start interviewing head coaching candidates from other teams. Well, some of those teams are still in the playoffs. It's not fair. It's not right. 
on anyone. It's not right for the team that's in the playoffs, and it's not right for the potential head coaching candidate to have to be able to handle two things, to be preparing for a playoff game or, in this scenario, the Super Bowl, and also have to plan for an interview. It's not that big of a deal for the NFL to just say, no head coaching interviews can happen until after Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know why they don't do it. I'll never understand it, but that's something that needs to be changed immediately. And Jonathan Gannon, I don't trust him. I don't trust what he said. He came out and said it wasn't a big deal. I don't agree. I'm not making an excuse. The Eagles lost that Super Bowl. That was fair loss. However, when your defensive coordinator is distracted, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But let's move on. So we're going to do you know, multiple players on the roster. On social media, we're going to kind of call this a, our player a day evaluation. I want to look at players from both sides of the ball, and we're just going to go down the roster. Really no rhyme or reason for who we talk about each week, but we'll, we'll flip-flop between offense and defense. First player up on the list is Josh Sweat. Had a career year last year with 11 sacks. He's been on the Eagles now. This is his fifth season. He's entering his sixth season, so he just finished his fifth season. It's hard to remember that this guy is only 26 years old. Josh Sweat is 6'5", 265 pounds. He was a fourth-round draft pick in 2018 out of Florida State. He was kind of a project. When they drafted him in 2018, he didn't play any games as a well, – he played nine games but didn't start any games as a rookie, didn't record any sacks. In his second season, he played in all 16 games. He had four sacks, and you really saw some flashes. You saw that this guy had potentially the skill set to be a double-digit sack getter in the NFL. The Eagles recognized it as well. In 2020, he plays in 14 games. He records six sacks. Howie Roseman magically puts him under contract very, very early in 2021. They enter into a three-year extension. That was really only after two seasons, but you could see the potential with this guy. And in 2021, he makes his first Pro Bowl with seven and a half sacks. And then he follows it up last season. He starts all, well, I shouldn't say all. There was 17 games, but he starts 16 games. He has 11 sacks. And even better, in the playoffs, he has one and a half sacks. He really, really brought it. I mean, what makes this guy so good is that at, even though he's 6'5", 265 pounds, he's so quick and he has the ability to get so low to the ground with his inside shoulder when he's blitzing from the outside on those tackles. It makes it very, very difficult for the tackles to try to get their hands on him because he can dip that inside shoulder so low to get around the edge. He's a very, very good pass rusher. And what's making him better, and I think you're only going to see him get better as he enters his sixth season, is he's now able to mix in more than just the speed rush around the outside. Once he gets that tackle concerned about the speed rush around the outside, he's now able to mix it up where he can then stunt inside. He's able to bull rush them. You've seen him become more polished as a pass rusher, and every single year we've seen his sack total go up. It went from four to six to seven and a half to now 11 sacks last year. I think you're going to see another double-digit sack season from Josh Sweat. And I think what Howie Roseman did by putting him under contract very, very early was brilliant. He's only a $13.3 million average. He is going to be a free agent in 2025, but you still got him locked down for the next two seasons. 
This coming year, he only counts six million against the cap, but next year he's going to count eighteen point seven million against the cap, and that would be his final year. I would not be surprised if you see Josh Sweat get an extension either the end of this season upcoming or at some point during the next season. But Josh Sweat, be on the lookout. I'm predicting he's going to have at least 12 sacks this year. He's only going to be aided with the additions of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and another year for Jordan Davis. I think you'll see Josh Sweat have a career year. Fun fact, they drafted Josh Sweat in the fourth round with the draft pick that they received in the Sam Bradford trade to the Minnesota Vikings. So that was a great trade because the Eagles got a first rounder, but they also picked up a fourth rounder and they used it on Josh Sweat. So just a brilliant move by Howie Roseman all around. But let's jump over for our player of day now to offense. Kenny Gainwell, running back Kenny Gainwell. Everyone's talking about Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift, rightfully so. These guys are absolute studs. But Kenny Gainwell is entering his third season. He was only a fifth-round draft pick in 2021 out of Memphis, 5'9", 200 pounds. He's still only 24 years old. In 21, he had 68 carries for 291 yards. In 22, 53 carries for 240 yards. He's averaging 4.4 yards a carry. But what made it so impressive is what we saw him do last year in the playoffs. In only three games, he had 33 carries for 181 yards with a five-and-a-half yard per carry average. I mean, this is a guy who only had 240 yards in the regular season last year, goes into the playoffs when the games matter most, and he puts up 181 yards. It was really exciting and really promising. But the Eagles go out and they bring in Rashad Penny. They bring in DeAndre Swift. So how many more touches does Kenny Gainwell get this season? I'm not sure. I think you're going to see the Eagles really try to run with Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift, but we know their injury history. So Kenny Gainwell has an opportunity if Swift or Penny misses some games, which is probably likely when you look at their injury history over the last few years. And this is a guy, he's not going anywhere. He still has two years left on his rookie deal. He only counts about a million dollars against the cap in 23 and 24, and he's only going to keep getting better. One of the areas of his game, which I'm surprised we haven't seen a lot of, is the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. That's what I'm so excited about DeAndre Swift for. The guy averages over 50 catches a year. Gainwell only had 23 catches last season. That was surprising to me. I thought that that was going to be a big element that he could add to that offense, and it just didn't come to fruition. He did have seven catches for 55 yards in the playoffs, but we'll see what he does entering his third season, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to how healthy Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift stay, but Kenny Gainwell is a great guy to have, at least as a security back, at least as a guy who can dip in on third downs when needed. Jumping back over to the defensive side of the ball for our player a day analysis. Linebacker Sean Bradley, local kid, grew up in Mount Holly, went to Rancocas Valley High School. He's 6'1", 240 pounds. He's only 26 years old. He was a sixth-round draft pick out of Temple University in 2020. In three seasons with the Eagles, he has zero NFL starts, but he has led the Eagles in special teams tackles since he's entered the league. This is a guy that's not going anywhere. He's a great special teams player. But can he make that leap to become a rotational player or even a starter at that linebacker position? The Eagles lost both 
Kazir White, and TJ Edwards in free agency. That linebacker room is very, very thin. Everybody's hopeful that N'Kobe Dean's going to be able to step in this season and become a starter. They did bring in Nicholas Morrow from the Chicago Bears. But outside of those two guys, there's a lot of unknowns. Christian Ellis, Karan Johnson, Patrick Johnson, Davion Taylor. You know, does Sean Bradley get some playing time? You know, I don't know if the Eagles are going to bring in any veteran linebackers, but at this point, that is a very, very unknown position group for this Philadelphia Eagles team. Does Sean Bradley get any playing time? I think he's definitely staying on the team. Like I said, he's a big special teams player. We'll see if he could take that leap to crack that defensive lineup. Another guy moving over to the offensive side of the ball, again, for our player a day analysis is Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins, wide receiver that everybody was so excited about this season. We really thought we were going to see him take that big leap to become that wide receiver three, and it just didn't happen. Quez, six foot, 193 pounds. He's going to be 25 years old in June. He was a six-round draft pick out of Southern Miss in 2020. His rookie year, we didn't see much of him. He did have that one big play that had everybody excited, but he comes back in his second season in 2021. He had 43 catches for 647 yards, and he averaged 15 yards a catch. Everybody, including myself, was very excited about this guy. Was he going to continue to progress and become a really solid wide receiver in this league? Well, he had a disappointing year last year. He started all 17 games, but we saw his catches drop from 43 to 33. We saw his yards drop from 647 all the way down to 354. But what I found most alarming is that his yards per catch dropped from 15 yards per catch in 21 all the way down to 107 in 2022. This is a guy who's supposed to be your burner. This is the guy who's supposed to take the lid off of a defense, and you just didn't see it last year. And what's maybe even more alarming is in the postseason when the games mattered the most, he only had one catch for eight yards, and he had that, I don't know if you can call it a drop, it was a tough catch, but he had that big missed opportunity in Super Bowl 57 on a beautiful throw by Jalen Hurts under pressure that if Quez Watkins comes down with that ball, completely changes that entire outcome of that Super Bowl. But if you listen to Nick Sirianni, he's very high on Quez Watkins. At least that's what he's saying. You know, He's talking about how when they watch the tape, Quez Watkins is doing his job, opening up things for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. But we will see if that's just lip service because they do bring in Alameda Zacchaeus from Atlanta to compete for that wide receiver three position. Zacchaeus, if you look at him, what he did with really no quarterbacks on that roster, this is a guy who could come in and really take some time away from Quez Watkins. I think that's going to be a really important battle in training camp. I would not be surprised if Quez Watkins is a guy that if, if Zacchaeus comes in and impresses this coaching staff, and another team wants to make a trade for Watkins, you may see them do it. If they were to, he's a $2.8 million cap hit this year. If they were to trade him, he would only count 42000 in dead cap money. So he's definitely a candidate to get moved. He's in the final year of his deal. So if Howie Roseman thinks he can get something in return for Quez, you may see them make a move. 
But it seems like Nick Sirianni's high on him. The only way I think that would happen is if Zacchaeus comes in and really impresses this coaching staff. But I am hopeful if Quez Watkins is on this roster that he makes that leap this year. He has to. This is a contract year for him. He's got all the opportunities when you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And now you're going to add Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift in that backfield. Quez Watkins has to make the most of his opportunities, and he just didn't do it last season. A guy who did make the most of his opportunities, flipping over to that defensive side of the ball, undrafted rookie free agent Reed Blankenship. Safety. He's 6'1", 203 pounds. He's only 24 years old. He was undrafted last year out of Middle Tennessee. We really didn't see much of him other than special teams until week 12. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson goes down with that lacerated kidney. And Reed Blankenship steps in against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And you could instantly see what makes Blankenship so exciting. He is a smart, intelligent player. He's not necessarily the most athletic guy on the field, but he is smart. And if he's able to read the eyes of the quarterback, he can make a play. And we saw it when he had the interception of Aaron Rodgers on that beautiful read. He broke right on the ball before it was even thrown. A great interception. He's not, it's not that he's slow. He runs the 40 and 4-5-5, but what he lacks is quickness. There's a difference. You could be fast in a straight line run, but he lacks quickness. Sometimes he's going to get in trouble if you have a real fast slot receiver and you match him up man-to-man. But if you're going to play him close to the line of scrimmage to stop the run, Over the top as a free safety, Reed Blankenship is just fine, and the guy is making nothing as far as under the cap. He he signed a three-year deal. He's under a million dollars a year each year. But we'll see how much playing time he gets this year. He played well when he stepped in those few games last season, but the Eagles did bring in some competition. Although they lose Marcus Epps and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in free agency, they brought in Terrell Edmonds from the Steelers who I'm very excited about. And this is a guy who was a starter in Pittsburgh. I think he's definitely going to be slotted in as a starter. The question is, who's the starter at the other safety position? Is it Reed Blankenship? Is it new rookie Sidney Brown, who we've seen at Illinois, who can play? He's got some work to do as well. Or is it someone else that's not on the roster yet? We will see. But if Reed Blankenship wins that job, I would be just fine with his intelligence level back there, man in that group as long as the Eagles put things in place to try to avoid him from being one-on-one in man coverage against fast slot receivers. Jumping back over, let's take a look at the offense. Let's evaluate the tight end position. We all know Dallas Goddard is the starter. He's one of the best tight ends in the league, but it's that backup tight end that's going to be a problem this season. There's a lot of unknowns there. Let's take a look at one of the guys who's hoping to solidify that backup tight end position, and that's Grant excuse me, that's Grant Calcaterra. He's 6'4", 240. He was a six-round draft pick last year out of SMU. He was a transfer from Oklahoma. He's fast. He ran the 40-yard dash in 4'6", but he's not a very good run blocker, and that is a problem with this Eagles offense. If your tight end is unable to block, and that's what makes Dallas Goddard so good, your tight ends have to be able to run block. This team likes to run the football. Their offensive line is the best offensive line in the NFL. 
but your tight end can't be a weakness on that offensive line. They are an extension of your offensive line when it comes to running the football. Your tight end has to be able to block, and Grant Calcaterra, that's something he struggles with. He may be able to step into that backup role, though, if he's such a phenomenal receiver. But we just didn't see it last year. In 15 games, he only had five catches for 81 yards. He did average 16.2 yards per catch, but five catches for 81 yards and not a very good run blocker is not going to be enough to be a starter or even the first backup on this tight end group. And there's some competition there. The Eagles still have Tyree Jackson, a former quarterback who I've been real high on at that tight end position. The guy just can't stay healthy. They bring in some undrafted rookie free agents, Dalton Keene, Brady Russell. They still have Jack Stoll, but they just recently signed Dan Arnold from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a guy who, before Evan Ingram got there, was catching around 30 balls a year, four to 500 yards receiving each year. Dan Arnold has a real opportunity to steal that backup role from Calcaterra and Jack Stoll. But if Grant Calcaterra wants to be the guy right behind Dallas Goddard, He's got to put on some strength and weight this offseason to improve his run blocking. If he can do that, he can crack this lineup. Guys, as always, thanks for listening. We're going to keep coming to you. If you have any questions or any topics you want us to discuss, hit us up on social media. You can always comment under any of our videos. You can send us a message. Like I said, we're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. I'd love to engage with you all. If there's any topics you want us to discuss, be sure to do so. And as always, I'm going to come every single week. So be sure to listen, be on the lookout, and go Birds.